the Kingdom of Kandy um, is or was in the interior uh, of Ceylon, in the highlands uh, of what was called Ceylon in the 19th century. Um, it was a very independent, fiercely independent kingdom that resisted the intrusion of, what, of first the Portuguese uh, and then also the Dutch uh, before falling to the British finally uh, in 1815. Well, one of the things that historians have been very interested in uh, in recent years is this question of the relationship between knowledge and colonialism. It comes partly out of the influential work of Edward Said, who wrote his book Orientalism. Uh, more recently, uh, the questions that historians have been asking are, well, how do we locate indigenous knowledge and indigenous resistance as a form of knowledge against colonial knowledge? What I want to do is to really locate the types of knowledges uh, that the Kandians had uh, and utilised in strategic terms against the British. And this might be um, uh, a knowledge of terrain, it might be a knowledge of how to cope with disease, uh, uh, it might be military knowledge, uh, um, a whole range of different types of knowledges uh, which uh, the Kandians utilised uh, against the British quite successfully in this early phase of colonisation. In a sense, we think about European colonization is bringing about modernity. So we think about modernity as something that rolls out from Europe and that includes identity, it includes um, science, technology, uh, state formation, uh, a whole range of things uh, which constitute modernity, which come from Europe with the spread of colonization. But what we have from this case is quite a different story, I would suggest, where we have indigenous structures and polities developing forms of knowledge um, developing forms of organisation and even identity um, which are strangely parallel to those sorts of processes that we find in Europe. And so what we have is a coming together um, of these systems. Uh, by suggesting this sort of phrase coming together, I don't mean there isn't any violence associated with it because in fact there are kind of very violent clashes between different knowledge systems um, and there is resistance on the indigenous side. But at the same time, some knowledge is inherited by the British and utilised strategically as well. So it's a complex story of collaboration and resistance, continuity and discontinuity as well. Something I'm very excited about is working with a unique set of sources which historians haven't really utilised properly before, namely the palm leaf manuscripts of Sri Lanka. Now, palm leaves um, are found quite widely in South and Southeast Asia, um, and they can be courtly manuscripts, uh, or they could be uh, manuscripts from rural peripheries kept by village elders and so on. Um, they are made out of palm leaves, um, and you can hopefully see an image of one of these now, um, and uh, they usually take the form of ballads, so they're recited at say courtly ceremonies or at village functions. Um, and what's very special about them is that they provide access into well, the knowledge systems uh, of local people. So there's lots of uh, stuff on medicine, um, on natural history, on topography, um, on retellings of the past, ideas of history for instance as well, uh, which one can take away from these palm leaf manuscripts. So by using these palm leaf manuscripts we can come to what might be termed indigenous knowledge or the knowledge that indigenous peoples had anyway. Um, I, I suppose one could see it as secret information. It's definitely a, a form of information that doesn't translate, translate straightforwardly into colonial knowledge. Um, there are various ways in which actually um, uh, the type of knowledge base that the British had built 
unwittingly on indigenous knowledge. So for instance, one of the things I'm interested in is uh, the role of natural history. Uh, and here, uh, something very striking happened. Uh, so botanical gardens were very important for uh, agronomy, for uh, colonial uh, projects of improvement in the early 19th century, centers for the collection of information. And one of the main botanical gardens in the British Empire was uh, the Peridonia Botanical Gardens uh, outside Kandy. Um, but something which I discovered uh, out of my research was that um, rather bizarrely <laughs> or tellingly, this botanical garden was in fact established on the site of an existent botanical garden, which was um, one of uh, the gardens um, founded by uh, the kings of Kandy. So what we have here is the Candian information order, which is natural historical, which is connect the palm leaves, which is connected to other institutions as well, feeding into the British product of colonial knowledge. So it's not only that the knowledge is secret, but that actually it is inherited by the British, though sometimes those inheritances have been lost in the historical narrative, so that we actually think about the British coming with their enlightenment knowledge, which is quite different to local knowledge. Um, and, and conquering the terrain because of the knowledge that they have. But actually, um, sometimes the foundations of that colonial knowledge are in fact indigenous. And so that indigenous knowledge does pass into British knowledge, even sometimes though it's kind of protected by indigenous peoples and used strategically against uh, the colonists as well. Well, I think in a sense, when we think about um, Europe and what it knew, um, against what the rest of the world knew, um, we're still very much imprisoned by the ways of thinking that are colonial, which we've inherited, which is basically the sort of rhetoric of colonization, where colonizers thought that they had superior knowledge. But in fact, um, in real terms, that knowledge was based on what they learnt um, uh, in the field, uh, in the colonial territories themselves. In relation to the story of colonialism and knowledge, uh, it's very important to realize that this is um, an account about the expansion, the early expansion of the British Empire. So this narrative of the entanglement of knowledges um, uh, encompasses a particular historical moment, which quickly passes, because what happens by the 1840s, by the 1850s, is that the British become supreme, uh, and their supremacy extends to knowledge as well, and to the ready exporting of uh, English knowledge, British knowledge, uh, into colonial territories. Uh, and so, though I'm sure that there still are in the record uh, accounts of indigenous knowledge passing into colonial knowledge, um, these uh, become effaced um, with the kind of supremacy uh, of colonial knowledge established uh, more firmly.